when it comes to your worship team, we're talking about this week how music is the tool, but discipleship is the goal. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. This is episode number 424. We are leading up to the closeout of this podcast with episode number 430. We're launching a brand new platform full of a podcast network, courses, webinars, articles, books, and more. So we'll be closing out this podcast and I'll be shifting over my hosting duties to a brand new podcast called Your Visuals Matter. And it's going to be all about how to visually communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ using graphics and video. Media is a major tool to reaching this generation for Jesus. If you want to learn how to do that, join me, thought leaders and ministry leaders also in the trenches of ministry using visual media. Your Visuals Matter is the brand new podcast coming soon. All right, on today's episode, my friend Alex Infegian stops by. We're going to be talking about how music is the tool, but discipleship is the goal when it comes to your worship team. Let's jump to it. Hey, ministry leader, it's time you're in the middle of fall ministry preparation and rollout. But let me interrupt briefly with a huge announcement from our team. By now, you know we're changing our name, and this is a huge rebrand for us, but we are excited for what it means for you. First, we're combining 1230 Media and 1230 Kids. Now, this simplifies our catalog of work. And secondly, we are ready to announce our brand new name and brand. We're changing our name to, cue the drum roll, Church Visuals. Now, why? because that's what we specialize in. And our promise to you, we'll provide you with world-class graphics and videos to help you visually communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to your community. Now, why is this so important to us? Because it is to you. Your visuals matter. And we are so pumped about our new logo and our new brand. Over the last several months, we've been working on a massive new website We'll also be changing our social media channels. Both of those changes will set us up for the future in a big way to help serve you even better. And this rebranding process has us laser focused on leading the church visuals industry. And I'd like to say that we're launching everything with our new name and brand today. But as you know, everything takes time and we want you to be on this ride with us. So be on the lookout for church visuals soon. We didn't want to surprise you with any of the changes. And thank you for walking with us on this journey. And in a very short time, we'll let you know when the official launch of our new website is and all the details so that you know how our new name impacts you. In the meantime, let me give you some brand new free church visuals for your time. As you move into the fall, I want to give you our latest Fall Volume 4 pack. And this collection of visuals 
includes a countdown, title motions, editable title and social media graphics, and more. It's a $25 value for you, completely free for your church. Just go to 1230media.com slash freefallpack, or you can click on the link below. You can use the code FALL23 at checkout. Again, that's 1230media.com slash freefallpack, and use the code FALL23 at checkout to download it completely free. We are praying for you as you launch your fall ministries, and remember, your visuals matter. Hey guys, today I welcome back Alex and Fedjian to the show. Alex is a worship leader, songwriter, producer, and pastor. He's the man behind worshipministrytraining.com. He's on staff at Calvary Chapel South Bay in Los Angeles. Alex, welcome back, man. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, Carl. I am so glad to be with you again. You are one of my favorite podcasters and interviews and guests. When you're on my podcast, you always bring the gold. So glad to be with you. Thanks so much, man. So still living in Los Angeles, man. Still toughing it out over there. Okay. Yeah. You know, the weather is pretty harsh, but yeah, someone's got it. Someone's got to live it hard. Yeah. I hear that, man. So give me an update on worship ministry training and uh, some of the resources that you, uh, that you provide over there. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. So worship ministry training, if people don't know, it was a, it is a podcast that has been around for eight years, uh, probably about as long as, as yours, Carl. Um, and in, I don't know, a couple years ago, we started selling courses. And then this past June, 2022, we launched a full on Academy. So we've got courses, live training, um, exclusive podcast interviews. And, but I think the thing that people are finding most helpful are like all the done for you resources. So we basically have like created an audition process an onboarding process, um, templates, uh, team devos that, that worship leaders can use. Basically we give worship leaders all the tools and the training they need so that they can just focus on discipling their team. So um, that's all at worshipministrytraining.com. It's one buck to try for 15 days so people can test it out. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. It's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. Yeah, man, you've been working hard. So uh, so give me a, a kind of a temperature check of of worship leaders in general. You talk to a lot of, of worship leaders in the in the space. Kind of give me what are they feeling uh, what are some of the things that you're hearing and seeing in the trenches? Yeah, so I think coming out of the pandemic, it feels weird to say that because it feels pretty far removed, but I think it was such a big disruption that the effects are going to be felt for years. And I feel like coming out of that pandemic, um, a lot of worship leaders lost team members, people left to different churches, people stopped going to church, or they just haven't come back to their church or whatever. I don't know. You know, they don't feel safe still. So a lot of worship leaders are operating with like very thin teams, thin volunteer teams. Um, and so they're scrambling for musicians or they're hiring outside musicians or they're calling their friends and friends are coming from other churches. And so there's a lack of team members. And then also the, the team members who are still around are less committed than previously. So there's a lot more flakiness and a lot less like drive and desire to like invest and so worship leaders are kind of doing the best they can with what they have and hopefully you know if they're a proactive leader they're they're rebuilding their teams in this season and so i would say and you probably see this as well but it's a season of rebuilding and um i would just encourage anyone listening who is in that state where you know it feels like thin just focus on strengthening relational bonds with your current team members 
reestablish the culture, reestablish the expectations, and then actively go out, like actively go out and recruit new team members, like get in the hallways, get in the lobby, get in the pews after service and just start talking to people because we really need to rebuild um, into something new because what was old is gone, you know? Yeah, I talked to a lot of people that that too, uh, and, and probably the last six months or so hasn't been that bad. But if I'll go to conferences, people will ask me, "How do we get our volunteers back?" And I'm like, "The the at this point, they're not coming back. Like you need right. to like like you need to start fresh and and start a new team if that's the case." So, um, all right. So I want to chat about something that we're both. Uh, really passionate about. And as I've gone through your notes, man, I just get really excited about this uh, topic. And that is that music is the tool. Music is not the end all be all. Uh, that uh, discipleship is is the goal. Uh, and so we, we need to make sure that uh, that it is the goal when it comes to production, when it comes to leading worship and, and all that at our church. So kind of set me up here. Why is music a tool and not the point? Yeah, so I think I did this talk at the Loop Community Worship Innovators Conference. And the reason I felt burdened to do it is because looking at the modern worship landscape of like what it is that we think we're supposed to be about and what it is that we think we're supposed to be doing, I'm just like confused. Like, how did we get here to where everybody's just copycatting everybody else? And obviously the internet and YouTube and Instagram all plays into that. But I think if you zoom out a little bit, there's a, a much bigger problem going on, which is worship leaders have never been discipled as to what it means to be a church leader. So like when when they get hired on staff, they're just like handed a microphone and they're like, hey, here you go. Do the thing. What thing? Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like nobody, the pastor didn't disciple me. I didn't go through any program. I was just good at guitar and singing. And so they gave me a ministry. And And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? So I start looking around online and I see this ministry and this church and I listen to this album and I I, I start to uh, learn my education just comes from looking around on the internet. And what do you see on the internet other than just lots of cool production, lots of cool lights, people doing funny thing with their hands, you know, cool songwriting, cool bands, even though it all kind of sounds the same, right? And it's just like, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> right? And so, so I'm gonna do that at my church. But, but like, I think there's this fundamental layer that we need to like, we need to peel the onion back down to the core and be like, okay, what is this about? What is ministry about? It's not about the songs. Songs are the tool. It's about making disciples. And I just feel like we're in a weird point in time in the modern church, in the American church, at least. And we need to really like go back to the basics. And look, I, I'm at a church. We have all the bells and whistles. We have all the big stuff. We have all the big tech, you know, um, but it's like, that's not what it's about. And and I think a lot of worship leaders set their eyes on that as success. And they say, if I can look like that, if I can sound like that, then I will be successful. But what if Jesus isn't measuring that as success? He's measuring a completely different metric. And I believe he actually is. And so that's kind of that's kind of the question that I'm asking right now. Like, what what is the metric? Well, I already know. I think I already know the answer, but we can get into it later. Yeah, and so I want to uh, frame this conversation in that that uh, yes, we want our worship experiences to go well. Yes, we want them to be excellent. Uh, you know, it's not bad necessarily to have gear and tech and 
tools and uh, instruments, whatever we, uh, you know, may, may, may need sometimes or, or even want sometimes. Uh, so how do we balance that, but also keeping the main thing, the main thing. So, yeah. um, so, uh, let, let's just kind of dive in some more. So talk to me about how Jesus never said to make music or art that all he talked about was making disciples. Right. Well, okay. Before we, well, okay. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, so I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say we shouldn't make art because the Bible commands us to make art. The tabernacle was made of like amazing, you know, gold and purple linen and like really fancy material made by expert craftsmen and done beautifully. And the Bible commands us to make music. So it, I'm not saying we shouldn't make music. I'm just saying when Jesus, his last command to his disciples when he was on the planet before he ascended was go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, so so his last thing, the main thing he wants us to do now that he's not on the planet is make disciples. But I think what happens is worship leaders think we're supposed to make music. We're not supposed to make music. We're supposed to make disciples. We are supposed to make music, but it's not the it's not the end all. It's not the be all. It's not the thing. It's like the tool that we should be using to accomplish what Jesus actually told us to accomplish, which is make disciples. So I just think what what happens when worship leaders see excellence and put excellence as the standard is and again, I'm I'm all for excellence. We are supposed to be excellent. But when excellence is the standard and they're like, I have to look like that and sound like that in order to be successful, then what happens is they feel unsuccessful when they're at a small church that can't afford any of that stuff. Right. So they're like, oh my gosh, like I, I'll never be successful as a worship leader because I can't look like that and I can't sound like that. And I'm just saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That has nothing to do with success in God's eyes. Success is doing the best you can with what you have. That's what that's the definition of excellence that I like to use. Doing the best you can with what you have at your disposal right now and making disciples. So if the people on your team look more like Jesus this year because they've been in your ministry, than they were last year, then you have been successful. And that's that's kind of all I'm putting forth is like, we can do all the tech and we can do all of the great production and we can do all of the cool songwriting and the fancy stages. And, and if we make disciples while we're doing all that, great. But what I see is a lot of people figure out how to make great music, but they don't make disciples. And I'm saying God does not care about that ministry. So like you could get it all right on the external side of things, but you miss the heart and God is not impressed or pleased. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that we, we aim to do both that we say, we're going to be excellent, excellent because excellence honors God, but we're also going to make sure that we are actively pouring into praying for studying scripture with our volunteers. And I, again, I just see a lot of churches and a lot of worship ministries or even production where like the focus is, how cool can we be not how godly can we help our people become? And I'm just saying like, let's not think that that means that that is not a success, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Good word. All right. So walk that out practically. What are some ways that we can make discipleship our primary goal? You know, sometimes that it fleshes out with what we as the leader are intentional about. And so if all we're talking about is, you know, get that, uh, you know, make sure that you're hitting the right note and make sure I, I, I make sure not that button, that button. Like if that's what's important to us, then that's what's that could be replicated. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so how are how should we be intentional about making discipleship our number one? Yeah, well, I think you're right. As the leader, like what we prioritize, it filters down to the team. And what we talk about first is what the team assumes is important, right? And so I think watching our words is important. Like if the first thing is, oh, you know, let's say we have a great worship service. The church is super engaged, you know, like all the, you know, whatever. But like there's one one person hit one wrong button or went to the wrong slide. And like the first if the first thing out of our mouth was you hit the wrong button instead of did you see how impacted the people were? Did you see how engaged they were? Did you see how passionately they were praising Jesus? That should be the first comment. You can follow up with like, hey, make sure we hit this button on this part. Like you can follow up with that. But if the first words are, you know, the music was bad or this happened or this transition was wonky or whatever, then we're going to set the precedent for the team to think that that's what we care about. So, so that's one thing. The other thing is it's not really hard to make discipleship and spiritual uh, like conversation um, important in your ministry. It's not hard to do. We just have to be intentional all the time to make you know, make sure we're having spiritual conversations, make sure we're, we are reading scripture with our teams, make sure we are, you know, praying with our teams and asking our team members how they're doing spiritually or where they're struggling or where it's, it's really not hard to do. But my question is, are leaders actually doing it or are we just showing up and running the show? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Jesus says, take away from me the noise of your songs. I don't care, you know, or God does in the Old Testament in Amos chapter five. Um, so he's not impressed with our shows. He's not impressed with us executing everything. He's impressed if we love like he, he does and that we look like him and that we help our team members look like him. That is, that is it. And so I just would say, make sure that you're integrating spiritual truths into everything that you're doing, because I can, um, turn any, just like Jesus with the woman at the well, turn the conversation spiritual. I can do that with button pushing. I can do that with electric guitar playing. I can do that with drumming, but it's up to me as the leader to make those conversations steer in the direction of, of like a biblical truth underneath why we should play excellent, excellently, mm-hmm. a biblical truth underneath why we should polish our symbols, a biblical truth uh, underneath why we should eliminate distractions on the stage. Like you can, easily find if if you're if you're a biblically literate leader you can easily find biblical truths to bolster everything that you're telling your team to do on a practical level right but now it makes them want to do it because they understand why it's important to god and why it's good for their soul so it's just infusing those spiritual conversations into the practical right so that would be my answer. So how do you start with you? How do we start with ourselves? What What are some practices that you've put in place to make sure that your heart is right before you lead your team? Oh, well, it's the boring answers of spiritual disciplines of mm-hmm. like, are you in the word every day? You know, like our church has a Bible reading plan. I make sure I read every day. Like I don't miss pretty much. I haven't missed for like two years. I mean, maybe I missed one or two days over the last two years, but I like go back and catch up. So just like saturating yourself in the word, you know, and then being in prayer and uh, being accountable to other people. Um, and yeah, all the, all the boring stuff that everybody knows, you know? And so, and, and that's a good point, Carl, because you can't lead people to where you haven't been. And so if you're not walking with passion for the Lord, if, if all you watch 
are YouTube videos about LED screens and you never read about God or read books that fuel your faith, then then you have a problem. Not you, Carl, but it's like, but I, many, I do see so many worship leaders. I mean, I have problems, trust me, but I do see so many worship leaders who like they watch all the songwriting stuff or all the, the church tech YouTube videos and all the church this. And it's like, those are cool videos. But like, I feel like our focus has moved off of God and onto like this cool, flashy stuff. And I, f I feel like I sound like an old man now, Carl, <laughs> but no, but, but, yeah. but, you, but you're right. And even though sometimes we know what we need to do to grow in our faith, sometimes, uh, we don't, we get lax. We, you know, it's the first thing to go sometimes. And so we mm -hmm. just, just to be disciplined with ourselves. Um, okay. So how do you explain that to your philosophy here that discipleship is first? How do you explain that to senior leadership? Now, if you put it into those words, you know, it will resonate. But I think with a senior pastor, however, if we get to Sunday and something goes majorly wrong or there's a lot of mistakes or um, whatever, I, I guess I should say, how do you explain to your leadership that your number one goal is is discipleship and, and reiterate that and get their buy-in? Right, because I guess what you're, Kind of hinting at under the, underneath the radar is like sometimes senior leaders care more about that service goes flawless and is executed with perfection more than is my worship leader or t or production leader actually discipling his team right um which is a sad state of reality if our senior pastors like would rather have the former than the latter right yeah. <laughs> it's like oh no which i don't know if they'd say that out loud but you know sometimes it can be expressed yeah. In the moment. And, and to be clear, like Carl is an excellent person and uh, I love to try to do absolutely everything I do with excellence. I, I obsess over the micro details. I care about like the tiniest little nuances of something being perfect and executed well and beautifully. Um, even right now, as we're talking, I'm thinking about my answers aren't super clear because it's my afternoon brain slump time period. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man. And you know, it's like, I want to do my very best. And so I want everybody to hear very clearly what I'm saying. We should do our very best and we should seek to be excellent and we should seek to not make mistakes and eliminate distractions. I have a, a Instagram reel that I recently posted that says like, the primary job of a worship leader is to point people to Jesus and remove as many distractions as humanly possible. So point people to Jesus and re remove as many distractions as humanly possible. And we do that by being excellent, by by nailing our parts and by playing with simplicity and all these things that I teach in the Worship Ministry Training Academy. But I'm just saying we have to make sure that while we're pursuing excellence, we are not losing the spiritual life of our team. You know, it's basically we don't want to sacrifice the spiritual life of our team on the altar of excellence. Right. because that is not pleasing to God. So we have to hold them in tandem, hand in hand and say, we're going to parallel, you know, in parallel, move these things forward together. We're going to grow in excellence and production and, and, and musicality, and we're going to grow in spirituality. Because if you leave spirituality in the dust, or if you execute a flawless service, but you yell at your team in the back because they didn't do something right, then you're failing as a minister of the gospel. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. I, I, that's, that's, I wouldn't tell my senior pastor, Hey, I'm going to let things start to suck 
because right. I want to focus on spirituality. To me, that's not spirituality. Spirituality right. is doing our best. So it's like, we are supposed to be excellent. That is spirituality. So again, I don't want people to hear me saying like, let's, let's just all go stink. That's very uninspiring. Right. And that's not honoring to God. Mm. Um, but it, but it is while we execute with excellence, let's not forget to disciple and pastor and shepherd and care for and, and teach and train our people in God's word and all those things. That's, that's the yeah. only thing I'm saying. Cause I remember I did an interview with Matt Redman, like, I don't know, it must've been like four or five years ago now. And he said, you know, I go to a lot of churches and I tour a lot all over the world. He's like, we're really good at making the, the service great, but we're not really good at being nice to each other. Mm. And I was like, man, like that is so simply said, but like, that just, that just shows me something's off in the church that, that like we've prioritized the show over the people. And that's wrong, you know, so. Yeah, so good. Such a good point. All right. So if I'm the senior leader, let's flip that. If I'm the senior leader, how can I give you leeway? How can I encourage? How can I lift you up in order to make sure that we are doing number one? We are discipling people. Yeah, I would say make sure there's margin in your worship leader's life or in your production leader's life to spend time um, discipling his, you know, what, whether that means it's like, Hey, I want you to make sure once a week you're taking someone out to coffee and the church is going to cover that. Right. Or, Hey, I want you worship leader to, you know, if I'm the senior pastor, like, Hey, worship leader, I want you to have the team over to your house once a month. Uh, I'm going to, uh, we're going to cover the cost of pizza for you guys. And you know, whatever you can have the next Monday morning off or whatever, like equip your worship leader with the time and the margin and the, and the finances to be able to disciple their team. Yeah. You know, I just recently released Carl, um, a worship team Devo. It's $20. Like if I was the, it's 52 weeks, it's one for every week. It's got a scripture, a summary discussion questions and a closing prayer, right? It's worshipteamdevos.com If anyone cares, like if I was the senior pastor, I would buy those right now and be like, worship leader, you must read this with your team every week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's such a, it's such a simple win. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a great question, Carl. And hopefully any senior leaders listening will, will take that to heart. Okay. So what are some other practical ways? Uh, do you have some other things that you do with your team to make sure that people are number one, people are the point we've walked through a few, but anything else come to mind as far as, uh, maybe it could be Sunday. It could be like you were saying, you know, co coffees and uh, things like that. But well, what are some other practical ways to make sure that people are at the forefront? Yeah, I think, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with using your time well when you're with your people. So, like, I always try to have at least one or two deep, serious, encouraging prayerful conversations with someone on my team every single Sunday. Cause at our church, we're, we're there for three services, you know, from like 6 AM to, uh, or 6 30 AM to like 2 PM. Right. So there's a lot of downtime in between. And like, I should not just sit back there with my smartphone scrolling or, you know, what I should as the leader intentionally use that time and space to connect with someone on my team find out what's going on in their life, find out how I can pray for them and actually stop and pray. Um, being intentional with that Sunday morning time, I think is crucial. And then, like I said, just turning everything into a spiritual conversation or not that it always look, I, look, <laughs> that's awkward. People like that are awkward. I'm not saying like everything has to be 100% of the time spiritual, but like 
you should mm. pepper it in pretty often. So if I'm setting up the stage with Johnny, he's 16 years old and he's learning about how to plug in an XLR cable. Like I'm going to teach him how to run that cable really clean and really like excellently and explain like why details matter to God and what, you know, teach him about diligence. So it's just like, it's not just doing the thing, but it's doing the thing to teach a spiritual lesson. And again, I, I don't want people to hear me saying like, you always have to do the spiritual lesson or you're failing because that's awkward. But let's make sure that we are doing some of that because at the end of the day, the only thing God's going to ask us when we get to heaven is, did you help these people love me more? That's mm. it. That's it. Good. Now, I love in your notes how you talk about, you know, just reminders to ourselves that we're, you're not a musician, you're a minister, uh, that you're not a song leader, you're a shepherd. Uh, and uh, I've, uh, you know, been teaching that for years that the secret sauce uh, is pastoring your people is, you know, I come at it from a production uh, standpoint that, you know, I hear a lot of, I've heard a lot of production guys saying, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. Y yes, buddy, you are. Yes, you are. Yeah. Um, uh, if, you know, if you are a church staff member leading people, you are a pastor through and through. Uh, and so to, to put people, uh, number one, that you're, our primary focus is to, uh, uh, you know, be, be there to help people look more like Jesus. So good. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, we measure what we, what we move, right? Okay. So, uh, how do you measure? And I'll give you an example of what I did. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, how do you measure spiritual growth? So one thing I did, I want to get your opinion on it is I would have a spreadsheet and I would literally have like the path of a, of a Christian. Okay, salvation, baptism, uh, small group, do, you know, uh, have they been on a mission trip? Uh, mm. Are they growing in there? Like, at least, I mean, I know I don't know their heart. God's working on them. But at least there's some markers and fruit that I could probably notate. Uh, and when I did that, one thing I was amazed to find is that some people have not actually made a decision for Christ. Mm. Or, or some people had not taken a step of baptism. You almost kind of assume if they're already volunteering, they're already in, they've kind of walked through, you know, the, the first steps of, of a believer. And what I found when I tracked it is a lot of them, or some, some hadn't. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we could, we got to, I got to encourage that. And I to take that next step, and we got to celebrate that as a team. Uh, so that was kind of cool. So how do you track or kind of notice, be the fruit inspector on spiritual growth? That's funny. Um, did you also track how many times they cussed each Sunday? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I, I didn't want to because I didn't want them judging me the same. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. I'm kidding. It's funny. I saw this question, and I actually wrote, you know, it's hard. You can't measure the fruit of the spirit on a spreadsheet, but I love that you did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's not, I mean, uh, fruits of the spirit, th there's definitely like it, you see that in their yeah. personality and stuff. Yeah. I'm more talking about um, major steps in the yes. life of a believer, you know, your salvation, baptism. Are they yeah. in, are they in a small group? Maybe it could just be one that you measure are you you know are you plugged into a small group yeah you know um d to help them uh, with that but you're right no, it's I, not always measurable and no, it's very I, vague you know very vague but anyway 
I, I actually love that you were that intentional to do that. That's like next level awesome. So yeah, I, I think the fruit of the spirit is hard to measure, but you can see it in your team, especially you can see it in your team as a whole. And you can just simply use the, the fruits of the spirit as your evaluation metric, like looking at your team. Does your team exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? Are they, when they talk about what movies they watched, would those movies qualify as good? Because one of the fruits of the spirit is goodness, right? When they talk about the shows they watch, when you see what they're scrolling past on their Instagram, because I mean, that's what people do in between services. They're on their phones, right? Sadly. So um, are they ex exercising self-control and saying no to sin? Like w a couple years before the pandemic, I had a lot of young people on my team and I was actually really surprised how how okay they were with certain activities that to me is very clear in scripture is sin, but they didn't even know that those things were wrong. And like, it would slip out in between services. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, wait, what's going on? You know, yeah. or you watched what? Um, yeah. And again, I feel like this old curmudgeon guy right, 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 right now as I'm talking, but right. uh, what's that? I was just going to, me too. Like I, uh, and, and I don't want to, we joke about it, but I don't mind people being a fruit inspector in my life. And, and so I don't want us to come across as being, you know, super judgy on everybody. Right. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. I think it's just the bottom line is, are we being intentional in each other's life when it comes to growing in our faith? Yeah. And when you hear those conversations, you don't let it slide like you don't go like you. you that's your opportunity to pastor. Right. It's like, wait, hold on. Like you watch that movie on Netflix that's like full of sex, like full of like nudity, like, like, you know, you don't, you don't do it in front of everybody, but you're like, you can neck the next week or call them, grab coffee, but like, Hey, like I just, I heard this, but then you don't want your team to like, start to like hide things from you. And right. that's where you have to do the hard work of pastoring where you're like, um, you have to help them see that like, Hey, this is, this is harmful for you, you know? So right. anyway, yeah, I think, I think we can't measure it, but we can sense it. We can sense that the, the people are growing in their faith. Like I had one girl on the team, she was dating a non-Christian, you know, she was playing, I don't want to say too many details, um, but she has grown a lot in three years, right? Because we've just been like, it, she shows up every week or every, most weeks and there's conversation and there's encouragement and there's prayer and there's, and because of the long, you know, steadfast work of shepherding and encouraging and not judging because we could have judged her right out of the group. Right. But it's like you, you got to like play the long game with people and love them and let the Lord work on them. But there's been so much growth in her life because, because our team cares about the spiritual things, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Good. I hope people hear our heart uh, today that we, it's, it's really about caring for, for people. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. I have some rapid fire for you before you leave. Can I hit you all with right. five rapid fire questions? Oh, gosh. All right. Here we go. All right. Number one, this isn't too hard. Who is your favorite Christian music artist of the last 20 years? You can name a few if you want. 20 years? Wow. I really We're old. Enjoyed... We're old, me and you. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I really have enjoyed Brandon Lake's stuff. Uh, I think it's fresh. Um, and his production, if you listen to his like his full albums, it's very artistic and unique and not cookie cutter. And I appreciate that. Yeah, good. 
All right. What's one quick story of discipleship from your ministry where you've seen an example of someone growing in their faith more than just learning songs? Oh, well, maybe I've maybe you this, just shared that. Yeah, that one was one that came to mind. And then there are a couple young worship leaders who were not worship leaders when they started on the team. And now they are full fledged doing an amazing job uh, worship leading and shepherding and um you know, discipling the people around them. And it's really cool because they started as drummers and now they're like youth worship leaders and they're actually discipling people. So that's been cool. Yeah, nice. All right. What is a productivity tool that you can't live without as a worship leader at your church? Oh my gosh. Well, planning center is the obvious one as a worship leader, but for yeah. me personally, the uh, Michael Hyatt full focus planner is, was a game changer for me. I use, I've used it for the last four years and it made me, a hundred times more productive and successful than I was before using it. So good. Good one. Uh, so the major thing that I learned from Michael Hyatt, so I read Platform, his book Platform, <laughs> uh, when I first started 1230. And one of the major things that I learned from him is to use one piece of content in as many ways as you possibly can. I'm uh, finally starting to do that too. <laughs> it's uh, it's game changing. Uh, you know, I'm probably giving away the, the secret sauce here, but, uh, you know, one piece of content can be a workshop, a blog post, a podcast of, you know, uh, 15 tweets, then an email and then mm -hmm. a book and then mm -hmm. uh, as many different ways as you can uh, use it. Um, all right. So number four, what is the most attractive character trait a worship leader should possess? I was going to say joy. But I, I think it's not a character trait, but maybe it is welcome. Being welcoming is the number one character trait of a good worship leader. You make people feel connected to you. You make people feel invited in and cared for, and uh, they want to be around you and they want to follow you. Good. All right. Last one. What is one of the most common challenges that worship leaders face? <sighs> Keeping our hearts fresh because when you do it over and over and over and over, it just becomes a routine and mm. it's hard to, you can learn how to script it and you can learn, you know what to say and what to pray and what to play. But um, how do we make sure that it doesn't turn stale and rotten? So, mm. yep, mm. that's hard. Good. Well, man, tell us how we can keep up with you, how we can take some of your courses and uh, learn about your resources. Yeah, thanks so much, Carl, for what you do and for inviting me on to be with your people. Um, WorshipMinistryTraining.com is the number one place to go. It has all the social links and everything, and they can try out the courses, get all the, the resources, the team devos and everything for $1 for 15 days. So WorshipMinistryTraining.com. Yeah, awesome. Well, man, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you over, uh, over the years. I mean, we probably hooked up earlier on uh, in our ministry and did a podcast early early on years ago uh, mm -hmm. and so man it's just been a pleasure just kind of connecting with you over the years so thank you so much thank you Carl thanks everybody hey guys as we are wrapping up production on this podcast I thought it'd be fun to take a trip down memory lane share a few uh, clips with you and a few of our five questions segments which is just a little fun segment that we've done to just have fun with some of our guests, give them some rapid fire questions. So this is a clip from my friend Dave Shrine and myself as I hit him with some rapid fire. Check this out. 
I didn't know we were going to hit on this, but here's your number one. And you don't have to say the band that we were mentioning, but who's your favorite Christian music artist of the 90s? <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, it, it was DC Talk. They were my mm-hmm. first concert that I went to, man. My first mm-hmm. concert. Uh, my, my, now, I did not listen to Christian music my whole time in elementary school. So my first tape was Paula Abdul, Forever Your Girl. And so I played that thing out, man. I heard the straight up song mm-hmm. in a music class when I was in the fifth grade. And I was like, man, this song is awesome. My aunt sent me very close, very soon after I started listening to music in elementary school, my aunt sent me uh, Jesus Freak. And I didn't bust it out until God got a hold of my life. And I was like, all right, I'll listen to what Aunt Sharon sent. Bro, that album holds up. DC Talk wound up being the first concert that I ever went to, and I remember everything about it. Nice. Uh, what is your biggest pet peeve about how churches do marketing? Your marketing. Uh, biggest pet guy. peeve about how churches do marketing is they lead with the thing and they never lead with the need. You've got to lead with the need. Um, if you lead with the need and um, speak to the pain and the struggle that people are going through, that's going to be a much more compelling message than show up for divorce care or we're doing a marriage conference. Uh, You speak to the end result that they want to to achieve at the end of navigating that pain and you speak to the need that they're feeling, you'll do a much better job of getting people in um, because a lot of people don't feel they need Jesus. They don't feel that they have a need for uh, a deity in their life. And so when you speak to the need, you if you speak to hurting people, uh, you're always going to have an audience. So speak to that felt need. Good. What is one thing that if churches would focus on, it would catapult their attendance and engagement? Man, that's going to be so dependent upon the context. And I'm not going to cop out and say Jesus, although I, I do think if, if you really ho- harness and preach Jesus, there's just no one like him. I mean, there really isn't. Um you know, the, the guy was so controversial that either people loved him or hate him. Uh, just who he was got him killed. So, I mean, that's somebody that you can't ignore. So I do think if you focus very, very strongly on the person and the character of Jesus, I think that would, that would be huge. But something more practical, I'm going to lean back on what I said, you know, biggest pet peeve. I'm going to say, really focus on the needs of the community that you find yourself in really focus look at what um secular companies are doing that are drawing people in i think every church in arizona should have a killer splash pad i do i think you should build an amazing splash pad on your church i think you should put some mobile units uh on your property and allow uh, restaurants to go ahead and lease those out a coffee shop a salad bar a um, couple other things. And I think you should have that splash pad opened up each and every day. You would have more people on your property in one week than you've probably had in the last year. Just if you put a splash pad out, let's go really practical. Just decorate really, really well for Christmas. You want people to look at your campus, do a kick butt job on decorating your campus for Christmas. You will get people on your property every single night looking at your Christmas lights. Name a couple of churches that are doing marketing and communications well that we should be following. Well, um, let's see. I will say I 
I can give you one because I'm not as right now in this season of life, I'm not as focused on what is happening outside of the church that I go to just because of the season that I'm in, um, primarily that of just being a dad. And so I work and then I come home and I hang out with the kids. So I'm not super, um, I'm not super uh, privy to what's going on, but I will tell you one thing my church does really, really well that um, I was proud to see them do well. I didn't have a part in this. Um, and this is something that I really worked hard on the staffs that I was a part of. They preach the announcements. So if you want to talk about doing marketing really, really well, preach your announcements, get out on stage, share stories about the things you want to call people to. Um, when you share a story, all of a sudden there's this emotional and relational connection that's made. And if the person is a good storyteller, people will start to see themselves in the story. And all of a sudden they start recognizing their individual needs and they start recognizing their individual um, perceived needs. And that draws them in to then say, you know what, I think I might check that out. So that's some internal marketing that I think uh, if a church does that well, awesome. All right, last one for you. What is something that you're seeing that churches are doing right in communicating that you're encouraged to see, want to see more of? Might be repetitive, but Let's see if you have a yeah. different answer here. What I would love, I've seen uh, a couple churches do something similar to this, but not exactly the way I would want to do it. What I would love for churches to start doing is I would love for churches to start bringing the professionals in their congregation into webinars that are then marketed to the local community, uh, i.e. Facebook ads, i.e. TikTok ads. What would be fantastic? Let, let's go back to when... COVID started lockdowns. What was something that every parent was faced with? And I'm asking you, Carl, what was something that every parent was faced with the second that lockdowns happened? Babysitting. Where do I, what do I do with my kids? That's if I exactly, still have to go to work, what do I do with my kids? That's exactly right. And many of those kids, the reason why you had to have them is because they were in school and the schools will shut, were shut down. I think every church, I think we missed the biggest evangelism opportunity of my lifetime. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that that's what I believe. I think we missed the biggest opportunity to evangelize through bringing in teachers who are in our congregation and bringing in moms and dads who are homeschoolers inside of our congregation. We missed the opportunity to put them in front of the community and saying, hey, we've been doing homeschooling for the last eight years. Here's what we have found has worked for our structure. Here is how we facilitate teaching sixth graders alongside second graders, bringing in public school teachers and private school teachers saying, hey, when we've got kindergartners, um, they've got a lot of energy. Here is how we allocate that energy. Here are some phrases that we use. Here's a chart that you can put up that the kids will respond to really, really well. But here are some obstacles that you need to be considerate of. I think that if the church began to start doing that with anything and everything, I think you would really see um, people's perception of maybe the church has something that I need. I think you'd see that raise. And I think you could you could expect a lot more attention and eyeballs on what you're doing as a church, uh, as opposed to show up Sunday morning and plan your visit. Yeah. Well, man, always a pleasure. How can we follow you? How can we keep up with what you're doing? 
Well, I'd love to have you all go check out the Preaching Through podcast. So uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, just search for Preaching Through um, and you'll see it there. You'll see a picture of me with Luke and uh, it's sponsored by the Ministry Pass Network. So we're really happy uh, that Ministry Pass chose to sponsor the first 10 episodes. So you can go check them out too. Um, So that's how you can find us through the podcast. If you'd like to connect with me individually, the best place is to go to Twitter. I'm just at Dave Shrine. And so you can get my name and my spelling from the show notes here. So at Dave Shrine is how you can find me on Twitter. Just reach out and um, anything and everything you need, I'm I'm, I'm available. Um, even though I'm not in full-time vocational ministry and communications anymore, I'm still very active in that area. And I still have a lot of things that I'm taking from the business world and translating and interpret interpreting yeah. uh, for the church world. Yeah. Awesome. Dave, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, man. Awesome. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate you, man. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Well, hey guys, that is it for us this week. Thank you so much for hanging out on this week's episode of the podcast. Makingsundayhappen.com is the website. All archive episodes will be there and will continue to be at that URL uh, from here on out. So makingsundayhappen.com is the website. All right. Are you feeling lonely in ministry as a ministry leader? Are you in a rut? Next week, I'm talking with Dr. Clarence Schuler all about how ministry leaders can overcome burnout, loneliness, and depression. I promise it's not going to be a Debbie Downer episode. We have a lot of light moments, a lot of fun together. So next week, Dr. Clarence Schuler will be in the house. All right. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences at your church this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.